Hey there, welcome to Let's Innovate for Vegas, episode 15, recording this on Friday, June 2nd, 2023. Solo show today, I'm your host, Dan Hugo, trying out my radio voice, but without any any low frequencies, thanks to Las Vegas allergy season, whatever months it's in now, I'm enjoying it myself. So let's, uh, let's get started with a solo show about our smart social project and why... It's probably the most important thing we're working on, even though everything else we're working on is also almost as important. Uh, But for a near term, uh, Smart Social, what does that mean? So Smart Social, uh, I'm going to read you the summary I wrote for the show notes, because I think it's about right. It's a project intended to enable a smarter smart city, that's us, to communicate with itself. You'd think after all these years with internets and the social media that we humans would know how to do this, but... I don't think that's never, I think that's never been less true. See, I have it written down, can't even read it. Excuse me. So what does this mean? So smart social. Right now, my least favorite social network, I use those words very loosely, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a site that has come to be the go-to, the necessary evil, as most people say. Oh. An Amazon product. <laughs> it is not, but who needs uh, smart speakers chiming in? So, Smart Social. The, the Smart Social project aims to make, uh, rather than yet more silos, to use open standards and interoperable components to open up the scene, enable communication, and do so broadly and inclusively. We'll get to those. So, first of all, just what is the Smart Social project? It's all on GitHub. It's in various states of drastically incomplete. Uh, One year later, I think we started it in, uh, I want to say, not one year. It hasn't been one year. Oh, no, it has been one year. (laughs) We started it in, I think, um, May. I think May. April or May, 2022. Started with the calendar. The calendar is an essential component. It's something we've talked about on the Cafe Genius Impresario's uh, show. It's something I've talked about in person in many contexts. The calendars are easy, right? Everybody has one in their pocket at this point. Everybody with a mobile device. That is not everybody, actually. But everybody with a mobile device probably has a calendar in their pocket, probably on a computer at home, one they can access at a shared computer. Calendars are great because they actually follow, uh, mostly follow a very old standard. Uh, Cal Dave. I don't remember what Dave stands for. <laughs> I should. Um, D-A-V as in Victor. Cal Dave. Cal, uh, it's probably like data access or something. It's a standard protocol. Google, Outlook, Yahoo, if they're still around. Uh, Office 365 now plus Outlook. There's more. There's a, any number of CalDave compliant calendar servers out there. So what happens <clears throat> when you subscribe to an event, when you say I'm going, like you answer accept or, or decline or even tentative for a, a calendar invite, you think, you're, you think you're just sending somebody an acceptance. No, you're telling your calendar server, like say you're a Google person and somebody else is uh, using Apple. I forgot to mention Apple. Apple iCalendar or Calendar, the Calendar app now. 
you accept the meeting, you're telling your server to accept the meeting and then your, well, you maybe actually you're sending that note to the organizer. You're telling their server <laughs> that you're accepting their meeting and then their server will tell your server about any updates to the event, like other people have accepted or um, cancellations, event updates, you know, location, time change. So the servers can talk to each other anytime and then you'll get notified. Um, Google actually only checks calendar servers of, you know, your subscribed calendars and whatnot every 24 hours, I believe it is. It might be 12, but it's not often enough. <laughs> it should be more often. But you can actually, um, by subscribing the account, and that's not the same as an invitation to an you know, RSVP to an event. So the, I don't want to get too crazy on details here, but subscribing to calendars or accepting events, you are connecting your calendar service, your client that you use on your phone or your computer, your server for your service provider like Google or Apple. You're connecting those things together so that when someone needs to cancel an event, they just cancel the event. They don't have to visit 25 different websites to cancel, 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 and hope that you get it, hope that they didn't forget one, hope the, the RSVP system is working, the notifications are working on all these different platforms, and then you end up with uh, a scattered mess. And then you have to wonder, what about that 26th platform that everybody's checking now? They, they didn't check it. I'm going to an event this weekend. I found out about it today because of a forwarded email. It's not on a calendar that I'm aware of. Maybe it is. I'm still not aware of it. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge because with so few people, the, the city of Las Vegas is only around 600,000 people. Clark County, I want to say it's 2.3, 2.5 million, somewhere in there. Those are big numbers, but they're not, they're not like, uh, you know, New York, Manhattan. They're not LA. San Francisco, maybe. I think San Francisco is like 800,000, 900,000. So, you know, we're not, we're not a megapolis. We should be able to have calendars that we can actually use. So rather than visiting Meetup and Eventbrite and uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Discord has events, probably Slack has events. Rather than trying to maintain all those, why not use CalDave compliant servers that can talk to each other that we can use our favorite email clients on that we can subscribe to. If I publish a CalDave, uh, if I have a CalDave server and I publish a compliant calendar, which is not hard, then you can subscribe to it using any CalDave server service. And again, Yahoo, Outlook, Google calendar, Apple. There's more like Apple iCloud, whatever it is. So once you, uh, once you're able to share calendars, it's almost like an RSS feed, right? If I, if I update my calendar, you will see it because you've subscribed to my account, my public calendar, especially. So for our hackathons, we have a hackathon calendar events for our innovate for Vegas foundation. If you subscribe to that calendar and we cancel a hackathon because nobody showed up, all you have to do is check your calendar and make sure it got updated. And if you need to get the up to the minute, Visit the native, you know, the origin calendar, which you can link to. I mean, you can you can get to it. So now your calendar is synchronized for notifications and calendar changes. But you can also visit the origin calendar and see any up to the moment changes, cancellations, additions, etc. Hey, it just works. 
it works because the calendar files that get moved around are called iCalendar streams, just like Apple's product. iCalendar streams are super easy and they're all open standards. No secret, no proprietary. You can add extensions and those get annoying, but the basics are, you know, start time, end time, location, origin, um, organizer. These are basic pieces of information. They're basic pieces of information that are often stripped out when you create an event on Meetup, Eventbrite, etc. Now the, the, the organizer, the origin of the calendar is those services, not you. So if you were to go to Eventbrite and Meetup and these other sites I keep mentioning and harping on, and you could publish a calendar and they could pull your calendar data just like visiting a web page, right? Their server would go, hmm, let me get some updates on the events calendar from Innovate for Vegas, which we publish as a Google calendar right now. That will change. Then you will see any updates. Oh, new event added, great. Event removed, canceled, great. No, maybe not great. These things just magically work, the old ways, as, uh, as I've heard. So the calendar, when you think about it, just the value of that alone is difficult to fathom when, we, when we're in a city where so much is going on that we have no idea and don't know even where to look, don't know where to look, if I may. That leaves us wondering, and we hear about things the day before, day of, day after, and, and we're like, oh, I would have gone to that had I known. If you are listening to this, you may have heard about Tech Alley. Maybe you haven't. Why not? TechAlley.org. This is not a plug. I'm just saying Tech Alley uses meetup.com. Maybe you discovered Tech Alley on meetup.com. But if you only visit Eventbrite, or if you only look at Facebook events, you only track Twitter for or Instagram to see what's going on, you might have missed it. If you subscribe to calendars, you'll always get a calendar update. And then the question is, well, how do I discover these calendars? Ah, that's the project. So the calendar standard is, exists. Calendar servers, calendar client. You have a calendar client, probably multiple, web-based, specific applications. If you're using Outlook on your computer or laptop, Outlook calendars are world-renowned for being annoying, but... Sorry, I don't know that. I know. I know, Mr. Alexa product. I don't know if you heard that. They, it doesn't know that. So by subscribing on the server side to your event calendar that you can publish, if you have a Google account, you can publish a calendar. If you have an Apple, Outlook, Office, you know, whatever. If you have, if you're using some sort of an email service, you probably have a calendar server because calendars rely heavily on email. They notify you via email. They send you a calendar invite. They tell you uh, an event change, right? Canceled, etc. Hey, a new uh, new details. An email from the origin, or, or I keep saying origin, organizer, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if you use email, you probably have access to a calendar. You push that calendar link. It's a URL. It's a HTTPS URL. Probably ends with .ics iCalendarStream. Standard file format. You tell your calendar server, or you tell our eventual calendar server where your calendar is and we'll read it and then we make that information available publicly and then when somebody wants to subscribe to your calendar they subscribe to your calendar not our version of it then we don't get the times wrong which happens all the time if you find a site that scrapes other 
you know, other meetup and Eventbrite and other people's websites and they try to assemble it manually. That's human error, human error in action. Time zones are always a problem. So you, assuming that the servers can speak to each other, which is not difficult, assuming they understand time zones and assuming they actually pull updates and, and reflect the sequence number that's standard, you'll get the latest information. You'll be able to discover other events. That's, that's what we're, our value add, discoverability. You subscribe to a calendar, and then you won't have to visit any other websites. You just look at your calendar if you're subscribed to your favorite events, and you'll say, oh, my event that I was going to go to tomorrow was canceled, or the time changed, or whatever. Now, one challenge, if you, and I'm spending a lot of time on calendar because it's the first best thing that will come out of this. Say you're, uh, say you like 10 different calendars. And if you use, I'm more familiar with Google calendar, but you know, your calendar client probably says, oh, you've subscribed to these calendars and maybe they have each one uh, with a different color. You'll get a little visual cue on each day when there's a different, you know, event, hacker events, uh, hackathon events from Innovate for Vegas might be purple. Your personal calendar might be blue. Who knows? But if, if you start subscribing to a lot of calendars, that just gets a little noisy. You can always toggle those calendars for display. That's pretty standard. But another value add we want to do is to enable your sort of aggregated calendar to be your calendar, your kind of your subscription calendar. I don't know. That doesn't have a name yet. And then you should be able to subscribe to your own calendar that itself subscribes to multiple calendars. And ideally you can group those. So say you're into hackathons, you want to get the hackathon calendar from everybody doing hackathons in Las Vegas or wherever this is an open source project. So it might, might come to you wherever you are. You want to subscribe to uh, all the hackathon calendars and you want them to be aggregated into your personal, my hackathon uh, event watch calendar, right? You're keeping an eye on these events. doesn't mean you want 25 different calendars uh, in your calendar. You want them in your, my event calendar, my hackathon event calendar. And then when you subscribe to that, you will see all that data aggregated. You can toggle that on and off. And then you don't have to, you know, toggle 25 different things on and off. You don't have to get overwhelmed. Once you're following a bunch of hackathons and there's a new hackathon calendar, it's, um, it's not a snap of the fingers, but it's a small matter to say, Hey, you, there's another hackathon calendar that's entered the mix. If you want to take a look at it, maybe subscribe to it on your My Hackathon event calendar. That would be easy to do. Now we're value adding to extend, we're extending and value adding to these standards that have been around for decades. And very much like magic, they will work because My Hackathon event calendar is just another CalDave compliant iCalendar stream that I can transport to my calendar server and use my, with my calendar client. Piece of cake. Bam. Enough calendars. Meeting ended. <laughs> so some other components. Uh, smart contacts will make heavy use of the vCard standard. Card Dave. I still don't know what Dave stands for. I'm gonna, I will look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But suffice to say, it's similar. They're both based on Web Dave. If you've ever uploaded a file by dragging a, a file folder from your computer onto a web page and then the file gets uploaded whether 
whether it's a picture. You know when you have Amazon products in your home and they just keep talking to you? It makes you feel like you have friends. So uh, smart contacts, uh, vCard, CalDave, CardDave, I'm sorry. So this is yet another collection of old standards that work. Have you ever scanned a QR code on somebody's phone and it adds a contact to your phone? Whether it's your iPhone, your Android, whatever else is still around, as long as that QR code is pointing to a vCard uh, document or links to, I think it'll download the link, to a vCard, uh, it's called VCF, I think it's vCard file. So it could be like danhugo.vcf. When you download that, your phone will use the .vcf part and maybe some magic numbers, and it will say, oh, this is a vCard. Would you like to add it to contacts? Look at that. Just It just works. So rather than rolling out services that point you to LinkedIn, which is horrible and should be abolished completely, or other services that want to sequester your contacts into a form that they own a little silo, that's just adding more silos to your life, which I am not a fan of. So smart contacts, uh, calendar and contacts go together like peas and carrots. So if you, if you use, uh, yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? If you use calendars and you want to share your personal identity, one of the things you should be concerned with, not hopefully not worried, but you know, you may not want your normal email address or your, your private email address. You know, these are, these are personally identifying information bits that could be shared with people that you don't know about because calendars are public sometimes, most of the time in that case. So the, the maintenance of a, we'll call it like an event identity as part of the value add proposition is something. So smart contacts would have, you know, my V card might be searchable, might be, might be your work address that doesn't share your whole life story. Maybe it's a personal one that does, you know, maybe it points to your Twitter feed or your whatever, uh, Sorry, there's a picture of uh, Donald Trump on my dumb speaker display thing. Smart display? I don't know what they're called. Whatever. Anyway, so smart contacts, smart calendar, these go, to be, to go, go together really well. And then if we start tacking on some other services like content, i.e. news articles, uh, updates, events, announcements, press releases, that kind of thing. So content... Content always sounds kind of generic and dehumanized, but, you know, the stuff you want to read or consume on the web or download to your phone or your computer. So if we start connecting that to calendars contacts, well, now I can see <clears throat> what is, what kind of stuff was happening on that day. So I can have a calendar view instead of trying to figure out in a, in a river of news, as it's called, or a news feed. Just show me, th show me stuff from Saturday. Show me stuff from uh, June 2nd. That's today. These things are, on the surface, they're easy. Uh, you should be able to filter by date. I mean, that's trivial. But some social networks like your eyeballs. They like your attention economy to benefit them. So they don't make it easy to search by date, by you know, author, things like this. So if we expose content in standard ways, just like contacts, just like calendar events, we can use these standard protocols for standard tools but for human-readable web content, we can use things like schema.org. We can use uh, 
um, accessible HTML using YARIA standards so that not everyone uh, needs to have uh, perfect vision and in the case of audio or uh, those are probably the two big ones. We don't have smell vision websites yet. But for people who can't see or hear, uh, sometimes user interfaces, uh, this podcast, for example, is uh, violating all humanity by not having a transcript, which is something I want to work on, which luckily I can generate transcripts from the output audio reasonably easily. So late to the party, it will be, but you know, audio transcription to text, not, not impossible by any means. It's the modern era. Translation to other languages might be interesting. That's obviously easier from text. Uh, summaries, if you want to summarize, if you want to run something through your chat GPT or similar, rather than smart social doing it, you could, right? So everything would be published so that you could consume it the way you want. So that's the innovation and implementation parts, right? We'll, we'll be able to package up content, data, information, and present it to you in ways that are useful and maybe in ways that you can adjust or modify or craft to your needs. Let's add integration. But first, let us talk about Conway's Law. What is Conway's Law? And then we'll get to integration because that's sort of why Conway's Law is critical here. So Conway's Law is mostly about software, but it's also about sociology. The suggestion is that if you take two things, two modules of code, two organizations of people, two buildings full of people, two agencies, whatever, or more, in order for the, the two things to interoperate, at some point they have to talk to each other and figure out how that interoperation is going to work. And in so doing, the communication on the human level or the, or the you know, entity to entity ends up becoming a part of the data communication between them. That's, that's not a great explanation. There, there are actual words I have linked in the show notes to Conway's Law by Mel Conway, the, the purveyor of such uh, regulations. Uh, he's on Twitter too, by the way. So Mel Conway, uh, Conway's Law. So it's basically... If I have two silos, which Las Vegas has many more than two, and I say, how can I help people communicate between silos? What will tend to happen naturally is that silos will be built to communicate between silos. So when you, uh, I heard a suggestion one time, let's just build a big giant slack for the entire city. <laughs> and then we can decide who can be in it. And, and you're right away, you're like, wait a minute, you're just making a silo. And you're deciding you're the gatekeeper of the silo and that doesn't really help anything because then you're overwhelmed with information and trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, we better make different silos inside the silo. We'll make channels and then some of them will be probably, you know, it just sort of cascades from there. So the model of connecting silos really can't be more silos. Sometimes silos work. Sometimes they're important. You don't want to have uh, a free for all, on a particular topic, especially if you are pursuing a community of practice, then you want to have people that are engaged and intentional in their participation. That's different. But 
keeping a city informed, keeping people in communities informed, keeping people in special interest groups that are not in communities of practice, but they're in a community per se, right? Any, any community it could be a knitting circle. It could be tech alley. It could be uh, veterans and vets in tech, a veteran organization here in Nevada and nationally. So you want to reach out to those people. So, so if you build a model that follows any insularity, insulation, or uh, isolation, I like insularity. That's a good word. Insular, insular communities. You can't use insular tools to improve communication of insular communities with other insular communities. You can, but you'll just continue the insular nature. So part of the smart social project is to encourage open data sharing. And again, lots of, lots of, uh, standards, a lot of interoperable standards. Um, and that's where the integration comes in. So integration, what does that mean? It means I want to use my calendar server with your calendar server, even though it's different, different brand, different software, different language. But as long as we use the standards, we can integrate, we can interoperate. So suppose, suppose there's a, a platform called Mastodon, which is not a Twitter replacement. It's a kind of an alternate. It does some interesting things. It doesn't do direct messages or private messages, uh, which I think is useful. There's no more notion of like, uh, is somebody reading my Twitter DMs? Yeah, everybody, because they're not private. Save your private messages for a private messaging platform with end-to-end -end encryption that you control. We'll get to that in a second. So suppose we roll out a Mastodon server for Las Vegas, and we use ActivityPub, which is an activity stream communications protocol, so that we can publish activity on our smart social platform. A new, a new piece of content gets published or a calendar update. So we, we use ActivityPub to interoperate with our Mastodon server. We can also use email and other maybe older style notification schemes. We can publish an RSS page with updates. Uh, we can publish our main human readable content using schema.org markup and open graph headers. And suddenly you have a completely interoperable system that can speak to old and new and really, all you're doing is following standards. You're not having to create, you don't have to learn a new language. You don't have to establish or pay for license. You know, there's, there's really no magic here. It's really just attention to detail. Maybe that is magic. I don't know. So integration, uh, if we use external open source tools and platforms like Mastodon, we make our tools work with those. But then we're not building silos. We're building bridges. So now any community that wants to or a group or, you know, whichever word you want to use. Have a, have a Mastodon username for your group that is interoperable with all Mastodon servers everywhere. So anyone interested in our Vegas server can subscribe, follow, comment, whatever. And then, you know, so they can use the service across servers. They don't have to be a member of a silo here. You actually are you're using bridges, right, to talk to people. And as well, you can view a Mastodon feed. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have, an, have to have an account. You can subscribe. Each Mastodon uh, feed by default has an RSS feed associated with it. You can use an RSS reader if you're a fan of those still. 
you can pull that RSS feed with some tools and create your own feed. You can merge feeds together. You can create your own uh, uh, digest. Um, I think it was called uh, Planet Venus. It was an RSS aggregator that could that could merge feeds together. It's not not hard to do. So the tools are out there. You can also pipe your RSS feeds through your favorite jet, chat GPT or similar tools and summarize things. So you can do all these things. You can do them as you want. You don't have to become a page scraper. You don't have to log into a proprietary platform like Discord. You follow your own rules. You can run your own server. You can run your own Mastodon server. Uh, once we get social smart social up and running, it's all open source. You can run your own smart social server and it should be componentized component enough to uh, to allow flexibility there. It'll be written in Python initially. Everybody knows Python, right? And we will migrate to Rust or Go, I would imagine. Or at this point, C-sharp is coming on strong once again. But if we find uh, we need to scale performance, we can do that too. So an entire system of open source software designed to interoperate to integrate with other platforms using decades-old standards, but also looking at new schema.org and OpenGraph are new-ish. ActivityPub is newer, but it's been around for a while. If we actually use these standards and interoperate with older tools and existing platforms and forward-looking stuff, who knows about the AT protocol from uh, Blue Sky? We'll see where that goes. And then there's uh, Noster which is notes and something and stuff, notes and opinion, uh, some, some acronym, but it's, um, it's another publish and subscribe sort of a relay scheme for encrypted messages. That's another thing. We can actually integrate that. That'd be fine. Uh, Matrix is another open source uh, decentralized encrypted end-to-end encrypted chat platform. So now if you can imagine a Matrix server tied to a Mastodon server, your public visible to the world, you know, announcements. And I I think the true value of this would be in announcing things. You know, if there's a, there's an F1, Formula One channel, (laughs) you can see all the latest Formula One stuff. You don't have to worry about getting tagged in LinkedIn or following the right, uh, the right Vegas news or Vegas media website. You can do that too. But if you if there's a specific account for a particular special interest, because it will be the Macedon Vegas server, we can, you know, I'm not going to say prefer uh, <laughs> with with prejudice, but certainly some sort of priority to Vegas centric content would be encouraged. Uh, that's why the decentralized server, federated servers, uh, enable servers to be built around particular interests and then interoperate. So possibilities, possibilities, very interesting. An experiment we're looking forward to executing. Hopefully you'll participate. So by building bridges, not silos, we can hopefully connect silos through those bridges. Sounds great. I mentioned accessibility and inclusivity. Inclusivity in that if you don't have an iPhone, for example, you can't use Blue Sky. If you don't have an Android device, maybe you can't use a different platform i think it was um clubhouse the i don't even know if they're still in business they launched on iphones only right and you had to get an invite just like blue sky 
that's not really inclusive, is it? So web-based, open web tools exist to do language translations. If we can stick with a Y ARIA approach, we'll deal with um, audio transcription. There nowadays image uh, image descriptions using AI are a good start. So if there's a, a picture or a logo, someone who's vision impaired or or even less able to, to see could at least have some idea and participate in what's going on, comment on, consume information. Uh, nothing, nothing bothers me more, by the way, than getting an email. I, I turn off image downloads by default. So if someone sends an email that's basically empty because the entire content is a picture of an announcement or a calendar event or whatever, like, how am I supposed to click on things or how am I supposed to pull the, the direction, you know, like the, the address for location directions, things like this. So, so sending pictures to me is uh, a step backwards. Might as well just use Instagram. So enabling more participation, enabling people to find information, discovery is critical. Uh, the ability to publish and subscribe to things using standard tools. This is all smart social. This is what a smart city should be looking at. Not building silos to isolate people, isolate and insulate. Isolation is a little bit worse, I think. But if we continue to insulate with silo, more silos and more silos to communicate between silos, I think we're just multiplying uh, entities unnecessarily. That's bad. So Conway's Law is very interesting if you are at all interested in social, social interactions and how uh, social groups communicate how interops how inter uh, interaction can take place there's a there's a decent book called team topologies which i will not link to because you can just search for it using your you know whatever amazon or goodreads what else audible <laughs> there's an audible book for it i actually listened to it team topologies is not exciting at all but it does give several examples of Conway's Law in practical terms. City-scale Conway's Law, I think, is interesting. Uh, it is a sociological concept, so it doesn't have to apply to software, but it often does. Software systems, especially microservices. Different story. So there you go. Smart Social Project. The Smart Calendar was intended to be our come-out project. Like, hey, look at what we're working on. You should work on it, too. Uh, everything we're doing is open source. Everything is uh, intended to be elevating, adding value to day-to-day -day life. Same with our open transit and all that. So smart social, smart, so smart social and open transit are my two favorites. But then the rest of them are also my favorites. So they're not kids, but almost like that. If you're a parent, you know what I mean. There's still one favorite. You know that. So uh, on that note, I will bring the show to an end. Please do consider subscribing to my other podcast, Cafe Genius Impresarios. If you have found this podcast, and I'm not a fan of the word podcast, but everybody uses it. Podcasts, uh, audio programs, media, content, streams. I do want to eventually have a live stream version of this so that we can have interactive discussions with people. Is there ever going to be video? Probably. Don't forget we're launching Talks. Uh, this is for the future. Hopefully you visited Talks. 
if you're listening to this uh, anywhere close to June 2nd, our first launch, so hopefully this is optimistic and will come to pass, our first launch of Talks.Vegas, which is also Talks.Dot, Talks.Vegas, on YouTube, uh, you probably won't find it because as of today, we have no content. It's an empty channel. But over time, uh, we get the website going, Vegas, uh, Talks.Vegas. We'll get all this integrated together. It's a great way to tell stories. Uh, not everything is a pitch. Not everything is a, uh, well, not everything's a pitch. Not everything is about selling, right? Uh, one of the things I'm telling people is tell, don't sell. We shouldn't even hear the name of your company. We should hear you and why, if you want to Simon Sinek it. Uh, start with why. What do you, how'd you get here? How'd you build that technology? I've suggested that uh, talk about things like uh, making an espresso or changing the world, not here's my product and I want you to buy it from me or I want you to invest in it. Those are, those are, we have plenty of those. We have many opportunities for those. So looking forward to talks at Vegas. Hey, guess what? It'll be, it'll appear on calendars. There'll be announcements. There'll be media sharing. There'll be all the things I just talked about. How do we get people to discover what people are doing in Vegas? Well, they can talk about it. And then they still have to figure out where to, where to find it. So we're working on that. Hopefully you'll, uh, hopefully you'll see the fruits of our labor soon. Thanks for listening. Remember, Cafe Genius Impresarios, the other show, more economic leaning. This show, other people have podcasts. It'd be easier to discover podcasts if only there was a way. There is Podcast Index, open source software by Adam Curry and friends. Adam Curry, the originator of podcasts. Open standards, they're wonderful. RSS for podcast, mm, that has to go, but that's another show for another time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.